some pastors like myself find Mother's Day to be tricky. We want to honor godly mothers, of course, but then there are others that have lost their mother and it becomes a, I remember my first church, a woman told me that she would not be there next Sunday and that was Mother's Day. She said, because I lost my mother. And uh, so Mother's Day can be tricky. You can also have uh, women who were unable to have children. Uh, adoption can be expensive. So today, I want to address the women. And don't, don't worry, women. Coming up, I will address the men on Father's Day. But today, I want to look at women. And I and, uh, was thinking about what could I preach to help women be more godly. And uh, came across 1 Peter 3, 3 to 4 this week. Now, 1 Peter, in the large context, was written to a church that was experiencing persecution, suffering, hardship. If you go back and read uh, chapter 1 of 1 Peter, uh, they were going through some fiery trials and uh, that they were scattered. And uh, so there was this, this sense of persecution against the church when Peter wrote this. Within the specific context of 1 Peter, you'll notice in verse 1, it says, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. So within the context of the verses that I'm preaching today is the idea that these were women who were married to unbelievers. Now, a word about that, believers are not supposed to marry unbelievers, uh, but you may have situations like we're in the first century when they got married, they were not believers, but then the wife came to saving faith or the husband came to saving faith. And then, of course, they've got the issue of now they're married to an unbeliever, what do they do? This is instructions to wives who find themselves in that situation. So ultimately, this text is set within the context of a wife's relationship to her husband. But I do believe here that there's a principles beyond this, some basic principles that you can apply to your lives as women that will help you to be godly. Um, so I'm going to share three, three things that we need to focus on this morning. First of all, don't focus on outer beauty. Don't focus on outer beauty. And you'll, know here, you'll notice here that Peter writes, do not let your adorning be external. By the way, uh, Paul writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, we find a similar uh, injunction. Likewise, I want women to adorn themselves, uh, want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing, modestly, discreetly, not with braided hair, gold, pearls, or costly garments, but rather by means of good works, as is proper of women making a claim to godliness. So this is not isolated to Peter. And, and, and let me say this too, Peter is not prohibiting the wearing of makeup and, and uh, fixing your hair and, and wearing nice clothing. He is not prohibiting that. This would be the extreme in the case with these wives. 
and with women in general. Now notice, uh, first of all, is the word adorning, which is cosmos, which means an object with which serves to project beauty. Again, we are talking here about external. Uh, when I was studying this week, I came across Proverbs 31.30. Charm is de deceitful and beauty is vain. When we look at those two Hebrew words, we get the word fake. So this external adorning is fake. Thomas Schreiner in his commentary writes this, we should always note that it was common in the Greco-Roman world at the time that Peter wrote this to admonish women to wear, uh, to dress modestly instead of pretentiously or seductively. So the issue here is projecting something that is fake, that is false, that is opposed to that which is godly. It means that, we, that you're careful about how you dress and how you present yourself as a woman of Christ. Now he goes on to say here, the braiding of hair, the putting on of jewelry, or the clothing you wear. And we're in verse 3, by the way. In my research this week, I found out this is the picture of first century hairdos, particularly those women who were in violation of what Peter is writing now. And several poets of the day wrote about these, uh, these hairstyles. One said they were piled upon the other uh, in such a way as to attract attention to self, to, to uh, make, make your hair in such a way that people will turn and look and notice you. That's the prohibition. That's, it's to overdo. And you can see this is what the, what the cool girls at the time were wearing. Um, I know it looks funny to us today. But the issue Peter is driving at here is dressing in such a way as to attract attention in a bad way. Now secondly... He says here, putting on gold jewelry, first century. Oh, by, by the way, I want to go back and, and look at something. You'll, you'll notice here the neckline, very open. Hair is up, so the neckline is very visible. They did this so that they could put gold jewelry around. So you've got uh, women with, uh, I don't know, maybe the 60s beehive hairdo would be equivalent. I don't know, but it was piled high. And then you had this gold jewelry around your neck, which was very visible. You get the picture here. The person is trying to draw attention to an outward appearance. Um, Decimus Juvenal, he was a first century poet. He wrote this, there is nothing that a woman will not permit herself to do, nothing that she deems shameful when she encircles her neck with green emeralds, that's what I just showed you, and fastens pearls to her long, elongated ears. There is nothing more intolerable than a wealthy woman. Even the secular poets of the day realized that this was improper for a lady in the culture. Now today, what we would consider as believers improper is all over. The stuff that I see uh, women and young girls wearing when they go to the mall, when they go to Walmart, would 
definitely be in violation of this. And by the way, we have uh, mothers, you have a, a, a great opportunity to teach your children what is acceptable for young women and, and what is not acceptable. That's part of being a mother. And then the clothing that you wear. These, about the first century, um, <clears throat> of course there was no colored ones that, we could, that I could pull up, but um, they would wear these elaborate gowns. If you do a quick Google search, first century, you'd be able to find these. Elaborate gowns, and some of them were not able to be posted here in the sermon. Um, but these, these, these gowns were projecting, look at my outward appearance. Making themselves desirable beyond that which is acceptable to God. Again, Peter is not prohibiting the makeup, jewelry, things like that. What he is prohibiting is things that draw attention to yourself and enhance the outward person. Secondly, Peter says, focus on the hidden, the hidden person of the heart. Now you notice... He writes, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart. Actually, in the Greek language, let your adorning be does not appear in the original text. So it would read something like this. Do not let your, this is verse uh, 3, do not let your adorning be external, but the hidden person of the heart. Scholars added that let your adorning be in to make it flow from one to the next. The word hidden is cryptos. Cryptos meaning cryptic, which means something that is not seen. So in other words, he's comparing now those women who dress in such a way as to have men look at them mostly in an, in an impure manner dress in such a way that is provocative versus uh, what we're supposed to do as, as, as the body of Christ to, to not worry so much about the external, but to focus on the internal, that which is not seen with the human eye, that which is attractive within itself, attractive to God as we will find out. But we're to focus, ladies, you're to focus on the inward, the cardia, is the word for heart, and, and that word refers to a person's psychological life, the thoughts, the feelings, the emotions. In, in other words, you're, you're not to adorn yourself outwardly, but you to are adorn yourself inwardly in your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions. What is it uh, what is that cannot be seen? It is in the heart. The issue is the heart. I don't know if you're familiar with when Israel needed a king and Samuel wanted Jesse to parade his sons in front of him. And Eliab was brought to him and Samuel thought to himself, wow, this guy could be king. He looks like a king. And then we read in 1 Samuel 16, 7, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance 
or the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. We have a tendency to think, because we are New Testament Christians, that the Old Testament is, is obscure, it is out of date. But what I'm recommending here is that the heart was always an issue with God. The heart is the heart of the matter. It is not the external things that matter. It is the internal and the eternal thing that matters in, in, in our lives. So ladies, and I would encourage you to, to not focus so much on the external but look at the internal, who you are as, as a person inside. Think about your thoughts and your feelings and emotions. Are these acceptable to God? That's what you should be focusing on. That is how we should be, and, and not only for women, but for men, to, uh, to bring in the internal issue of the heart, to adorn our heart with these things that are pleasing and acceptable. D. Edmund Hebert one of my favorite scholars, the inner work of grace has implanted a spiritual beauty that is real and abiding. Contrary to the external, artificial ornaments that can be removed uh, at will, this beauty cannot be hung around the neck like a flashing pendant. It grows within a, like a lovely flower. You think about uh, if you... And again, I'm not talking about don't wear makeup, don't, don't fix your hair nice, but it, 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 is a, it is dressing in such a way as to entice. Um, the issue here is that at the end of the day when the dust settles, you take the makeup off, you take the jewelry off, and what really matters is the inward motives of the heart. Let me give you an example of this. We know this lady over here on your right, which is Lady Gaga. Now, the lady on the left is Lady Gaga without makeup. This is what Hollywood can do. It can give something a fake appearance. And unfortunately for Lady Gaga, she needs Jesus. She needs to be saved. And see, when the makeup comes off at the end of the day... There's nothing inward. And I know you ladies out there, you love Jesus. And let me just tell you this. As your pastor, you are beautiful. You are valuable. You are worth more than all the gold in the world. Do you want to see real beauty? If you want to see real beauty, this is real beauty. A godly woman speaking to the Father with the heart, addressing the heart matters. That is real beauty. This is real beauty. Reading your Bible, focusing and, and centering on the Word of God, that is real beauty. That is where our beauty lies. That is where your beauty lies. It doesn't, it doesn't, your value is not external. Your value is internal and eternal. That is where we should draw our focus to. Real beauty is deeper than the skin. Real beauty is the internal things that matter most. It is the cryptus 
cardia. It is the inward stuff. It is your thoughts and your feelings and your emotion. A woman that is praying, a woman that is studying the word of God, a, a woman that, that, that wants to express the inward to the world, that is a beautiful woman. Regardless to how fake Hollywood makes everything. I could look like Charles Bronson if I had some hair extensions and, and Hollywood would put makeup on my face. I, I could be gorgeous outwardly. But that's not what matters. What matters is your heart. And I know the ladies of our church. And I'm going to tell you as your pastor this morning that you are valuable. that you are precious in the eyes of God. And ladies, that's where we should be focusing a lot of our time is on the internal and the eternal. God still looks at the heart. He did in the Old Testament and he does in the New Testament. Let me just say this. Again, your value has nothing to do with what you look like outwardly. Your value is inward. And I'm going to say it again. Godly women are beautiful. You seek to love God with all of your heart. I'm going to tell you, you're beautiful. And he was saying this to women who were married to unbelievers. He didn't want them to attract their husband to try to win them over by, look how beautiful I am. No, no, you attract a godly man by who you are inwardly. For those of you that are unmarried, you think by dressing nice and maybe even provocative that you will attract men. You will. But it may not be the type of man that you want to attract. What you want to attract is a godly man who will love you for who you are internally. Not externally. So young girls, if you're watching today, your beauty should be inward. That should be where you focus. Now, Peter goes on to say, with godly qualities. So he's telling them in, in one, don't, I, I don't want you to dress in such a way as to attract a man physically. What I want you to do with your husbands and even future husbands is I want you to work on the inside. I want you to focus there because that's the most important thing. Now he goes on to expand what he means and what you're to add inwardly. He's, notice here he says, with the imperishable, off tutos, off tutos, imperishable, which means unfading. Again, when you go home at night, after your day out, wherever that may be, the makeup comes off, 
you have to wash your face, and it's just you. The beauty that Peter is talking about here, you never wash off. Remember the work of grace that was done in your heart. It is the temporal versus the eternal. It is the external versus the internal. Real beauty is never taken off. And then he gives two specific ways in which he wants godly women, and particularly these, these wives, to act with their unbelieving husbands. Um, and he says here, of a gentle and quiet spirit. Now, there's been some debate on this word spirit. That's the word pneuma, which can be a reference to the Holy Spirit. Um, or it can mean something else. Because it's in the lowercase, and that's rare that the Holy Spirit is mentioned in the lowercase, I would agree with J.D.N. Kelly, who wrote this, since the gentle spirit is commended as pleasing to God, it can hardly be the divine spirit. I agree with that. More natural is the view that the spirit refers to the ethical temper and disposition of the believer. Again, it's the internal versus the external. So it really does refer to the spiritual life of the person. And think about it. The world might say, dress in a way that would get your husband's attention or to get a guy's attention. But Peter's saying, no, 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 no. No, no, the way to win a man, particularly godly men, and those that are ungodly, is to have them look at, wow, she's, she's wonderful inwardly. There's a beauty there that cannot be seen with the eyes. And then he mentions the word a gentle spirit or a gentle uh, a, a, a gentle inward spirit. Praos. Praos is the Greek word there and it means mild, meek, or not pushy. Mild, meek, or not pushy. So wives who nag their husbands or they demand this, that, or the other. That is not a gentle spirit. It doesn't mean that you can never confront your husband or uh, anything like that. But what he's talking about is, is, is women to have a, a gentle, mild spirit. If, if a husband sees that, He has to think, you know what? All that Bible stuff she's been talking about. I see it in her life. Just a thought. Quiet. Hesukios. Hesukios which means a peaceful existence. Now I want to talk a minute to you that are married to unbelievers, just for a minute. It could have been that you married an unbeliever from the get-go, but I'm gonna, I'm, I, I, I want to tell you something. The way to win your husband is to love him 
with a godly love. To pray for him. I remember when Audrey and I were married. Her praying at the foot of the bed. With looking at my feet. Praying that God would make me a man after God's own heart. I didn't know it at the time because I was sleeping. But you know what? Maybe, maybe do that. Maybe do that. For those of you that are married to unbelievers and it could have been a, a normal situation where you came to Christ later, Whatever the situation, as your pastor, why don't you one night just start praying at your husband's feet? Because I, I believe in the power of God. I believe in the power of God to radically change lives. He changed mine. And I know he changed yours. Pray that God would change your husband's heart. Or if you're a, a believer married to a believer, Pray, like my wife did for me, uh, that God would make him a man after his own heart. I, I can tell you what doesn't work. This is what doesn't work. Yelling and screaming, that only puts a wedge further in. Ladies, this is not how we do it. I want to encourage you today as your pastor to focus inward, focus on do I need to make changes in my approach, not only as a wife, as a mother, as a, as a grandmother. Thank God for godly grandmothers and godly mothers and, and godly wives. Praise God for that. But do you need to make changes in your own life, in your own response to your husband, your own response to your children? your own response to other women, to men. Uh, do I need to make changes in my life? And, and Peter finishes with this, and I, and I think this is really, really important. Which in God's sight is precious. Polutoles, polutoles, which means extreme value. God never has judged on outward appearance. You think of this. If God did judge on outward appearance, the church would be full of models. No. That's not how God works. What God cares about is the heart always has, always will. And I will tell you this, that if you are a godly woman, you are a jewel of great value. In God's eyes, you are a precious stone. In God's eyes, you are more valuable than anything. And I know that there's some women that think that their value is found externally. Well, I want to remind us this morning that is not, and I say again, not where your value is. 
your value lies within. The only measure of worth that matters is in our is our true value in the eyes of our creator. And right here Peter says that what God values is inward, not outward. Don't leave here thinking today that Pastor Mike said I I shouldn't wear makeup, shouldn't wear um that's not that's not the spirit of this text. The spirit of this text is to dress modestly as a as a dignified woman of Christ to carry yourself outwardly in a way that is pleasing to God and living inside in a way that's pleasing to God because I do believe when a woman is godly there is a natural beauty there a beauty that is projected it goes beyond all the cover girl and all the highlighting and all of that. Is a, it is a beauty that is absolute, true beauty. So guys, today, I want you to tell your wives how beautiful they are. Because it is true. Don't focus on outward beauty. Focus on inward beauty. Learn being mild, not pushy. Don't be combative. Just love. Dedicate yourself to being a woman of God. And God will use that in ways that you can't even imagine.